Well, welcome friends. Uh, whether you are joining us from your living room or your kitchen, uh, we want you to know we are so grateful uh, that you are joining us this weekend. You know, as a church, we are passionate about connecting people to God, to each other, and to their purpose. And it's always our desire to seek to want more for the people of our cities than from them. And you know, in this pandemic season, we've had the honor and privilege of serving our cities like never before. In fact, we've had the privilege of serving over 40,000 meals uh, in partnership with Riverbend Food Bank, Moline Schools, Rock Island Schools, and Davenport Schools to families who are navigating this challenging season. We've also had the, the privilege of being a source of encouragement to over 200 healthcare workers who are on the front lines of loving and caring for the people of our cities, both at Unity Point and at Genesis Healthcare Systems. And you know, it's been our privilege over the last couple months to have the, the privilege of serving our cities by providing a, a meaningful worship expression on KWQC 6.1. And, and I want you to know, if that's your primary way of connecting with us, that this will actually be our final weekend of broadcasting our services there on KWQC. But, but there's no need to panic. Uh, we'll continue to provide uh, our worship services at 10 a.m. on Cozy 6.3, or if you're a Mediacom user, it's Mediacom 106. And so you can check them out there at 10 a.m. or get online at heritageqc.com, and we'll continue to, to broadcast our services both on Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. And so I invite you to continue to engage and to worship with us in one of those platforms. You know, we are grateful for how God has been at work over the last few months as we've navigated this season together, but we are convinced that the best is still yet to come. In fact, if we're going to fully experience all that God desires for us, we have to connect in greater ways in meaningful circles of community. And if you haven't yet connected in a meaningful way with the Heritage family, I want to invite you to do so even today. In fact, if you have a phone, I invite you to, to pull that out and, and you can simply uh, connect with us today by simply texting the word CONNECT to the number that's on your screen. Text the word CONNECT to 309-250-2007. And as you do that, our team would love to serve you by getting you resources and pointing you in directions where you can begin to connect in greater circles of influence and community than ever before. And you know, today, as we begin to engage in worship together, I want to remind us of the words that Jesus said in John chapter 8, where he says, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Now, that's really great news today for all of us. And so as we step into worship through music, let's worship the one who sets us free. Let's worship Jesus, our liberator. Let's worship together. Revive 
past several months, I have found myself leaning into a prayer rhythm called praying the scriptures. And it is exactly how it sounds. You take a passage of scripture and you use it as a framework to help inform your prayer time. And so it's been really helpful to me. There's times where I will see a particular sentence and just pray through it word for word. I might personalize the language a little bit, but it just works as it is. And then there's other times when I get to a particular phrase in the passage and the Lord sort of just asked me to, to, to rest in that particular verse and even to give me permission to riff a little bit around it uh, where the the passage actually gives the the skeleton and i can add a little bit more around it and it's been really healing for me uh, often i choose a psalm for this practice because the psalms uh, just give such a rich and wide-reaching uh, kind of uh, arsenal of emotional articulation and so you you read through the Psalms and you get the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and when you use that as a prayer passage it, it really gives us permission to just call out to God uh, in a wide-ranging uh, emotional uh, state where you, you can express the greatest joy you can express the greatest sorrow and 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 just lay that at the feet of Jesus and it's been really helpful to me. And so I want to just invite us into this rhythm. I would like to invite us to pray through Psalm 61 together. And I'm going to lead us out, but I'm just going to ask for you to join your heart with mine as we pray to the Lord together. Let's pray. Oh God, please listen to our cries. We beg for you to, to hear our prayers even as we call out to you particularly for those of us who feel overwhelmed right now in this moment, we cry out to you. We cry out to you from thousands of separate locations around these cities. We cry out to you, even some people out of state, some people around the world, that we cry out to you because we need you in this moment. God, lead us to safety. Be our rock, be our safe refuge, be our fortress. We, we ask you to deliver us from this difficult time. We, we want to reside in your presence and under your protection. We ask that you would intervene, not just for us, not, not just for these cities, but that you would intervene for the whole world in this moment of human history. And we thank you, oh God, because we trust that you have heard our cry for help. I thank you that you give each of us as believers an inheritance, that, that part of that inheritance is the gift of your Holy Spirit, and that on this day of Pentecost, we remember that your Spirit resides in each of us as believers, that you lead us into strength and to wisdom, that you lead us into comfort and direction, that, that in this time of difficulty, Holy Spirit, you lead us to be peacemakers and peace bringers in the relationships that we have and in our spheres of influence. That, that God, you would just lead us into this, that you would give us wisdom and that we promise to give you praise and glory. We promise, God, to, to just offer praise and sing praises to you because you are holy and mighty and loving and we trust your heart. And so we pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey friends, over the past few weeks, we've been having a conversation to understand how we can live selflessly. We've been looking at what it means to be selfless, really what it means to live like Jesus. And we've taken some time to understand how we honor the image of God in ourselves and others. We've looked at how we take on the attitude of Jesus and in, in how we live each day. And we've specifically looked at how to choose to respond and not simply react. And as we wrap up that conversation, 
Today, we're going to look specifically at a story that Jesus told. It's found in Matthew chapter 18, so if you have a Bible, I invite you to go ahead and grab it, turn there, click there if you're using a device, and you're going to find a parable, a story called the parable of the unmerciful servant, which is primarily about forgiveness. And that's incredibly important because forgiveness is always selfless. In fact, it's one of the greatest expressions of selflessness. And how we handle forgiveness, it matters. It determines the level of freedom we have. It impacts our relationship with God. And Jesus told a story that helps us navigate that, really helps us to understand the secret of living into that freedom and how forgiveness really works. And we're going to spend our time today understanding how we give and how we get forgiveness, which is incredibly important because we can all struggle in that arena. We can, we can make bad situations worse because we don't know how to handle forgiveness, how to give it or how to get it, especially in this season. Now, I can think of one of the best examples for me where I understood the, the depth of this issue was something that happened a number of years ago when I was driving on my way to work. And I was a little bit late, so I was trying to get there quickly when somebody pulled out in front of me, which was frustrating in and of itself, but then they went really slow. And if you've ever had anybody do that, you know how challenging that is, especially if you're trying to get somewhere quickly. So what I did is I kind of creeped up behind them, not tailgating, but just enough to let them know that they had pulled out in front of me and they needed to speed things up a little bit. It didn't really work though. So at the first opportunity I had to pass them, I passed. And we all know that we can pass somebody slowly or we can pass somebody quickly. And I chose in that moment to pass them quickly and to give a little bit of rev in the accelerator just to help them understand the complexity they created by pulling out in front of me in the road. Now, I'm not proud of it, but I pulled back in and I did feel a little satisfied as I continued on my way to the church where I was serving at the time. I pulled into the parking lot, I began to unpack, and before I entered into the building, I saw a car that looked very similar to the one I passed pulling into the parking lot. And then as I saw the car continue towards me in the parking lot, I realized it wasn't similar, it was actually the same car. And then I knew they were coming towards me. And you may be thinking like I was thinking in that moment that they were coming to yell at me about that whole exchange. But I'm gonna tell you, as bad as that would have been, it was worse. Because as the car pulled up and the window went down, I could see it was a member of my church family, <laughs> and it was awkward. <laughs> see, when we don't know how to give or get forgiveness, we can make bad situations worse. In that moment, I wanted forgiveness from the person through that car window, but I wasn't willing to give forgiveness back on the road. How we handle forgiveness matters, and if we're honest, we all want to be forgiven. Uh, we want to be forgiven, but how we handle it matters. We can, we can do something on the road, we can do something on social media, in a grocery store, or even just in a, a relationship exchange. What we do in giving and getting forgiveness matters. And we all actually want it. I wanted it, as I said, in that conversation in the parking lot through that car window. But I hadn't been willing to give it earlier. In fact, often we tend to be gracious in getting forgiveness with ourselves, but tend to be stingy in giving it to others. We tend to give it to those we think who deserve it and withhold it from those who don't. We even think we deserve it more often than others and that they need to earn and prove that they deserve it. We, we tend to be gracious in giving ourselves forgiveness but stingy in forgiving others. And, and for those that we think still owe something, either to ourselves or to someone else, well, then we withhold forgiveness and, and out of a sense of justice or indebtedness. And, and we actually want to control forgiveness because often forgiveness feels like we're losing. But the truth is, even if we feel like we're losing, it doesn't actually mean we are. Because when it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness is always gain, even if it feels like loss. Forgiveness is always gain, even when it feels like loss, whether giving or getting forgiveness. Now, the original Greek language, the word for forgiveness literally means to let go of. And that can be hard for us to do as people. When someone cuts in line, not to box them out. When somebody pulls out in front of us, not to tailgate up behind them a little bit. It's hard when things feel unfair or we feel like we are owed something or deserve something different. But, but Jesus told this story that can actually help us with the struggle that we find in the area of forgiveness. So let's go ahead and get to that. Again, it's Matthew 18. 
And we're starting specifically at verse 21. It's coming out of a, uh, an interaction that Jesus had with his disciples. They were talking about who's the greatest, then they're talking about how to reconcile, and then Peter asks a question that prompts a story from Jesus. It's a story about a servant, a, sto- uh, a servant who, was, who owed much, who was forgiven much, but then forgave little. So he had a, he had a bad situation that got better, but then he made it worse. And we're going to lean into this starting with verse 18. So let's just take a look and let's see what the Lord wants to say to us today about how we handle forgiveness. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, I don't know how many times you prefer to forgive someone else, but the rabbis, the religious leaders of the day, said that three times was the max. That you could sin and be forgiven, sin and be forgiven three times, and then that was okay. You didn't have to do it anymore. But, but So seven would have seemed like a lot, what Peter's proposing. But within Peter's question, actually reveals a misperception because what he's asking is simply, what's the limit? What's the limit? And that may seem okay for him to ask. And we ask that question. In fact, our kids ask that question a lot. Like, how, how long do I have to brush my teeth? How long do I have to stay in time out? How long do I have to read? It, when we're asking that question, we're saying how long, but we're really asking when we can quit, when we can stop. And Peter's doing a very similar thing here. He's basically asking, how long do I have to forgive before I can stop. And Jesus' response is a bit radical. Look at verse 22. He says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, some translations say seven times 70, which would be 490. But whatever translation you're using, Jesus was not setting a new limit, but removing the limit. He wasn't actually changing the standard from three times of forgiveness to seven or three times to 490. He was actually saying with hyperbole, never stop forgiving. Never stop. And then he steps to the story. He steps to the parable, an earthly story with a spiritual truth. Verse 23, let's read this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. So this man was brought to him, which indicates he probably didn't want to have this conversation because he probably knew the amount of debt, and the debt was huge, 10,000 bags of gold. Now, Jesus actually uses the word talents, and and talents was a unit of weight, a, a measurement of weight, which was considered, one talent was considered equal 15 years wages. So when we say it's 10,000 talents, that's 150 years wages that this dude owed. <laughs> it's an insurmountable debt. His debt has debt to more debt, and he can't pay it. So in verse 25, since he's not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Sold. For, for, for pennies on the dollar of what was owed, this man and his family were to be sold. But that was the plan. That was the plan it, until the man does something that changes the heart of the king. At this, verse 26, at this the servant fell on his knees before him. In the King James Version of the Bible, it says he worshipped him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. That sounds awesome. sounds very nice, but it's ludicrous because he would never be able to pay back that debt. Yet in this moment, it moves the king to do three things. The servant's master first took pity on him, second canceled the debt, and third let him go. He was moved with compassion, he had pity on him, and he canceled the debt, he let him go, he forgave it. Can you imagine how he must have felt, the amount of relief and joy in that moment? It had to be incredible. He was forgiven of the debt, not just not sold, not just given mercy, he was forgiven that huge debt. I know how I feel when somebody says, hey, I'm going to give you an extra 20% discount on that purchase. Woohoo! That's awesome! Uh, When somebody says to me, hey, your bill's been taken care of, it's been paid, that's wonderful. There's great joy in this dynamic, but for this guy right here, he doesn't have joy. He actually gets angry. He gets mad. I don't know if he's embarrassed. I don't know if he's ashamed, but it shows up in anger, which, quite honestly, in this season, many people are choosing anger in the midst of the complexity, and anger challenges the space to give and get forgiveness. It challenges that space. But let's keep reading. This is verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants. So this is a peer. This is not a peon. It's someone who served the same master who owed him a hundred silver coins, uh, literally a hundred denarii, 
One denarii was one day's wages, so a hundred denarii would be about like three months' wages. So it was one sixtieth of one talent. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. He literally, literally laid hands on him and, and took him by the throat, saying, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. This servant pursues this guy, he finds him, he grabs a hold of him, and he begins to strangle him for a tiny fraction of what he had just been forgiven. It's shocking. It's baffling. And there's a lot wrong here, but there's more. Look at this, verse 29. His, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Give me a little more time, he says. Does that sound familiar? It should, because it's the same action and plea that the first servant just offered to the king. But instead of recognizing that, instead of saying, oh, hang on a second, wait, I was just, uh, never mind, he, he doesn't do that. He actually refuses. He, instead, he, he doesn't take compassion, doesn't have pity. He doesn't choose forgiveness selflessly. Instead, he punishes him. Look, verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. <laughs> this, is, this is crazy. He, he refuses, he imprisons, he seeks being paid back by punishment. This isn't just unkind, this is absurd. But he's got another problem because his coworkers see him. Verse 31, when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. This is a huge turn of events in this dynamic. The, the, the debt is no longer canceled. It's back on the table. The forgiveness is gone. He's not even just being slowed, sold to work somewhere else. He's being imprisoned just like he wanted to imprison the other servant. And he's now to be tortured. This is way worse. And I realize that this story Jesus is telling is not a bedtime story. <laughs> it's not. But it is a dramatic retelling of the reality of the choices we make every day. How we handle forgiveness. We can make bad things worse in what we choose. And I understand in this season, there's lots of tragedy, there's lots of difficulty, the dynamics around global pandemic, all hard. And why are we looking at another hard story? But here's why Jesus told this and why we need to look into this. Because he actually sums this up for Peter. He answers Peter's question and he, and he answers many questions for us in what he says in verse 30, 35. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Unless you forgive unconditionally. Unless you forgive without limits. Do you... Do you hear that? That's life-changing truth. If you hear nothing else today, hear the reality that how we handle forgiveness matters. It determines the level of our freedom. And we are not forgiven if we don't forgive. We, we don't, if we don't extend forgiveness, we don't have it. If, if we withhold forgiveness, forgiveness withheld means no forgiveness at all. And you may be thinking, really, is that true? Are you sure? Absolutely, I'm sure. How do you know, Sean? Well, let me tell you, Jesus just told a story that describes it, but it's not the only time he talked about this or taught on it. If we just go 12 chapters earlier in Matthew to Matthew chapter 12 uh, into, excuse me, Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 14. Jesus says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's awesome, wonderful, good. But then he says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You see, sin is selfish and forgiveness is selfless, always. It never changes, never ebbs and flows. And here's the deal with unforgiveness. It ruins our relationship with God. It, it creates a wedge between us. It, we, when we choose to grab the throat, 
literally or figuratively of the other person, we actually become the obstacle and the problem in the dynamic. And we try to box out somebody who cuts in at us, or we, we try to tailgate somebody, or we just lash out in our frustration or anger. Because of our problem, because of our pain, because of the pride that we may hold in our heart, we make ourselves judge, jury, and executioner. And out of a sense of being justified, we give ourselves permission to do what we want, to extract what's owed, to grab someone by the throat, believing we're actually owed something. But Paul reminds us of something in Colossians 3 verse 13, that we are to bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. To forgive. Forgiveness is selfless. Notice when he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you, he doesn't say forgive only when asked. He doesn't say, forgive only for minor offenses or things that aren't too bad or after a certain amount of time has passed. He doesn't even say, forgive once other people know that you're gracious and forgiving and they will support you. He just says, forgive as God forgave you. Forgive as God does. You know, I think each of us can think of relationships that are actually in crisis or risk. I invite you to think of one right now. Maybe you've got a relationship that's in tension or stress. As you think about that relationship, why is it in that state? Why is it in crisis? Most, if not all, of our relationships that sit in that space are somehow connected to an issue of unforgiveness, either for us or for them. Relationships uh, take work. Re relationships have challenges. The, the reality is there is no enduring relationship that isn't marked by forgiveness. Not one. None. And, and in reality, every relationship at some point will reach a fork in the road that if we do not choose forgiveness, it will not survive. It's true in any dynamic. It's true in every marriage, in every household, in every small group, in every friendship. It's always true. Even our ability to maintain and live in community as a church family is contingent upon us understanding that our relationships will require forgiveness. I don't have a single long-standing relationship that isn't marked by grace and forgiveness, and I imagine that you don't either. How we handle forgiveness matters. Forgiveness is always selfless. Now, what I just said as a side note, just wanted to let you know that this is one of the reasons why we're taking time to step into a conversation next week called Life in Circles. It's a conversation that will intersect relationship and community and connection, uh, understanding how to be healthy in body, mind, and spirit. It's, it's an opportunity for us to journey through June as we incrementally re-engage and expand our circles as a church family. You do not want to miss it. Life in circles. But today, the focus of our conversation is really about positioning us to be able to embrace and live in forgiveness, selflessness, well. And again, as I said, forgiveness is always selfless. It is one of the greatest expressions of selflessness. In fact, Jesus, in nearly everything he did, how he engaged, what he taught, how he lived, was about creating space for forgiveness, for us to receive it, but also for us to extend it, to give it and to get it. Now, you may accept the fact that forgiveness is something we need to embrace, but I really do understand the question becomes, how do we do that? Again, how we handle it matters. But I want to tell you something. Forgiveness is releasing. Forgiveness is releasing. It's releasing the throat. It's releasing control. It's releasing the debt. It's releasing the right to be repaid. Forgiveness is releasing. Now, in all honesty, I've struggled a bit on how to land this message and how to land the series because there's so much to talk about in selflessness, but also specifically in forgiveness. Uh, there, we could take time to talk about how sin is first and foremost against God, so he has dibs on describing and, and explaining forgiveness. I mean, anytime we sin, it impacts all of us, us, our loved ones, the person involved, the other, you know, we're all affected, but sin, in, sin is first and foremost against God because of His holiness and what He deserves, it's first and foremost against Him. Whenever we sin, it's first against Him. Now, if you want to explore that a bit more, you can read Psalm 51 where David acknowledges his sin of adultery with Bathsheba as being first and foremost against God. I've sinned against you and you only. The reality is that sin had ripple, but it's first and foremost against God and who He is. 
We could also talk about the difference between saying I'm sorry and actually asking for forgiveness. When we apologize and say we're sorry, that's not the same as seeking forgiveness. To say I apologize, to, to say I'm sorry, is really centered on us. It's about our part. It's about us. And it does not shift power. It does not position into the hands of the person offended the right or the ability to forgive. It's not even asking for forgiveness. It's just acknowledging a difficulty. And I'm sorry is better than I apologize. But until we get to please forgive me, until we humble ourselves, until we literally or figuratively kneel before the person and we shift power to them, we're not truly asking for forgiveness and therefore potentially not even receiving it, which is why many people never fully reconcile to the deepest level that they possibly can. There's a difference between I'm sorry and I apologize, but uh, please forgive me is the shifting of power and forgiveness always involves a transfer of power, not the use of it. It's the transfer of it. And when we seek forgiveness, we need to ask for forgiveness, not just acknowledge the, that we're sorry. It's, it's true with others. It's also true in how we relate to God. And I encourage you to consider whether you're offering apologies or seeking forgiveness in your relationships, all of them. It'll change dramatically if you seek forgiveness in the dynamic. It applies to every relationship, but most significantly to God. I'm going to tell you, we're, we're not forgiven because we're sorry. We're forgiven when we give Him, who has the power and authority to forgive and to purify, when we give Him that power and we ask Him to do so. God does not forgive us because He loves us. <laughs> he sent Jesus because He loves us. God forgives us when we shift power and control to Him and we ask for forgiveness because of what Jesus did as He lived and died and rose again, and that changes everything. You know, there's lots of ways to land the selfless conversation, to talk about forgiveness. And as I said, I struggled, but I really feel like where I'm supposed to leave this conversation is really to position you to be able to forgive someone else. I think the Lord is inviting and asking many of us to forgive another person. And I think it's important to understand that as first and foremost about us, not them, and there are things that, it, that, that forgiveness is and there are things that forgiveness is not. And so I want to offer these things to you, leave them with you, and let you process them with the Lord. But when it comes to actually giving forgiveness to another, it's not the establishment of relationship inherently. It's not even inherently reestablishing trust. When we extend forgiveness to somebody else, their response matters. If they speak truthfully, if they confess, if they change their conduct, well, then there's a space to rebuild trust and relationship, but it's not inherently there. When God forgives us, He invites us into relationship. The truth is, not everybody moves deeper into the relationship when they ask for forgiveness. He wants them to. He invites them to. And in a similar way, we can extend forgiveness, but it's not the same inherently as relationship. For some of you, you need to forgive, but it's not appropriate or even possible to go to the person in, in person. Maybe it's not safe. Maybe they're no longer with us. And so for you to extend forgiveness in this space and season, you're going to do it in your own heart, privately, either because it's not safe or it's just not possible to do it with the other person. Forgiveness is not inherently about the relationship. But I'll tell you something else it's not. For forgiving is not forgetting. It's not. Uh, to forgive and forget is hogwash. <laughs> Trust me, it doesn't work. Not even God does that. God does not, uh, he does, it's not about forgetting. God doesn't forget, he cancels our sin. Because of what Jesus did, he, he's able to remove our sin from us, set it apart. It's no longer an obstacle in our relationship. He doesn't demand punishment or need to recall it back. We can actually be free. He releases us. Forgiveness is releasing, and we need to do the same. In an ongoing process, because one of the other things that forgiveness is not, it's not just a single action. It's a simple action, but it's a journey of decisions, only possible because of the work of God within each of us. And our daily choices of continuing to choose to release matter. So there's a couple things that forgiveness is not, but let me just share a few things that forgiveness is. Forgiveness is first for us. It's, it's for you. It has very little to do with that the other person does in response. When, when we forgive, when we release somebody from judgment, we let go of something that can consume us from the inside out like a cancer. Forgiveness is always first about us, the need to get it or the need to give it. But if we're not willing to release, then those who were originally the fault and problem, the, the, what was originally the offense, 
as we hold their throat, as we don't release our hate and our hurt and our bitterness holds us, that actually obscures the original difficulty. And when we recognize that we have been forgiven by Him and that we're to be, and we're to forgive as He forgives us, we actually can. And as He models and empowers us to love, He also models and empowers us to forgive. We can forgive. It's possible, but it's a process. Just as it's not a single act, it's a process of daily choosing to release. Some days you'll have to choose multiple times in a day, maybe once every other day, or maybe once a week. But over time, as you continue to choose to release, it will dissipate. And what was once something you thought of very, the very first thing in the morning on each day will one day become the second thing you think of, and then the third. Forgiveness is releasing. And we've all been hurt. We've all been let down. We've all been wrong. We've all had something taken from us. But we're all called to forgive. We're all called to the space to release. And until we let go of the other person's throat, until we let go and release them in their indebtedness, we're going to be stuck. We'll be stuck in a space and even moving into something worse where we lose our own forgiveness because it has to be given in order to be gotten. The reality is the forgiveness leads to freedom and it's time to let go. And I wonder where you need to either get or give forgiveness. Forgiveness is selflessness, always. And today I invite you to choose the space of release Maybe you need to forgive yourself for the things that have been done in the past. Maybe it is somebody else. Maybe it's sitting in a space where you need to seek forgiveness, not just apologize and not just say you're sorry, but to say, please forgive me. To be in a space to release and redeem. Even the person who you want to hold accountable, God wants to redeem them. He wants to redeem the situation just as he has or wants to redeem you in your life if you release. So whatever hurt, whatever pain, whatever offense has been holding you in a space where you have the throat of somebody else or you're stuck in a space without freedom, today's the day to release it. And I invite you to do so in the name and the authority and the power of Jesus. We all experience pain in life, some from our choices, but oftentimes from the choices of others. Pastor Sean talked about the freedom that comes in forgiveness and how releasing the throat of another person allows them to breathe, but it also allows space for redemption and healing. You know, we live in a broken world where even recently images of George Floyd gasping for air fill our newsfeed. Friends, this should not be. Now is the time for us to be agents of reconciliation to honor the image of God in every person we see. Church, we can be an oasis where people can safely belong to each other if we will choose the path of being selfless. God is even now inviting us into the way that He is making, the new and living way where freedom and forgiveness and flourishing are possible. We are so excited today to get to close out our service together by gathering virtually with our Scattered Heritage Worship Team. They've put together an awesome virtual choir to lead us in this awesome song called Waymaker. Brothers and sisters, it is our hope and our prayer that you are encouraged, that even when you don't see it, He's working. Even when you don't feel it, He's working. He is always working. And to this, we say yes and amen. Let's worship and proclaim this truth together.
Stop working, you never stop, you never stop working. And even when I don't 
Lord. 